Hi everyone, welcome to Wednesday Night Prayer Time together. I hope that you're doing well. It's good to be with you. It's good to know that we get to pray for each other and to be able to lift each other up and pray for our church and study God's Word together. Tonight we're going to look at friendship, especially how friendship helps us get through difficult times. This is very evident to me as earlier today I called and talked to Linda McKenzie. You could tell she was a little bit down. She's still in the hospital. They're not moving her to transitional care yet. They're going to keep her there and keep monitoring her as she battles COVID-19. I can tell that she didn't feel too good, but she was encouraged to hear my voice and we were able to pray together and uh, just encourage one another. And that's a wonderful blessing that we have as a church family, isn't it? No matter what our situation we're going through, that we get to pray for one another. Now I pray for you as your pastor here. I pray for each and every one of you. I might not be able to always call you and talk to you every day because life gets really busy. But I do stop and pray for our church and pray for you all as a people here that God will be with you and bless you through whatever situation you're in life. And hopefully as a, a joint body of faith, we're talking to each other and helping each other during these times of need. So tonight I want to start with an illustration from a story that I think is very important for us. And it comes from a, basically a psychologist who studied multiple people who went through trauma. He studied POWs, he studied people that went through like hostage situations, and he looked and found that there's a common denominator for those who did better than others who were in prison or had a traumatic experience they had to live through. He found the common denominator of those who were actually able to get through it better than others was that they actually developed friendships that helped them get through it with other people that were in prison with them or folks they could relate through, uh, relate through to during their time of trauma. And so, I want to begin to say to you that uh, he makes a, a great quote here. He says that his first book, his first uh, chapter, his book was a, a devoted to this idea, and he says that no matter how great an individual you are, no matter if you are someone who deals with a lot of trauma on a, on a normal basis, even the most powerful figures in the world need contact with others in the face of crisis. So no matter who you are or how you can cope, we all need friends during times of trouble. And so he tells of a story of Mr. Stockdale. And Mr. Stockdale was actually in prison in Vietnam. He was in prison for 2,714 days. And he tells of how he and his comrades got through the time of trauma and crisis. He says, on one occasion, North, in, in, in one occasion the North Vietnamese handcuffs Stockdale, hands behind his back, locked his legs in heavy irons, and dragged him from the dark prison cell to sit in an unshaded courtyard so other prisoners could see what happens to anyone who refuses to cooperate. Stockdale remained in that position for three days. Since he had not seen the sun for a long time, he soon felt weak. But the guards would not let him sleep. He was beaten repeatedly, and after one beating, Stockdale heard a towel snapping out in a prison code the letters G-B-U-J-S. It was a message he would never forget. It really meant, God bless you, Jim Stockdale. In every episode of captivity in recent American history, POWs and hostages have been sustained by ingenious, improv, uh, ingenious ways to communicate to one another. In Vietnam, a clever tap code in which the number of sequence of taps spelled out letters or the alphabet became the prisoner's chief means of communication. It was this code that sustained Jim Stockdale. 
At first, the prisoners had trouble remembering the letter codes long enough to put them together to form coherent messages. Soon, however, their proficiency improved, and the system became second nature. The lonely prisoners tapped on the walls, the ceilings, or the floor. Eventually, the POWs developed sophisticated extensions of the tapping routines. An especially effective ploy was to sweep through the prison compound using the broom movement to talk to an entire group. If one man walked by another's cell, he could drag his sandals in code. Some men sent messages to their comrades through the noises they made uh, while shaking out their blankets. Others by belching, blowing their noses, or for a few prisoners who had the talent to do so, passing casts. One POW actually faked sleeping in order that he could fake snore in order that he could communicate to the whole prison uh, uh, POWs and let them know what everybody was into and what was going on. Seagal quotes former POW Everett Alvarez, who later said, We really got to know each other through our silent conversations across the brick walls. Eventually we learned all about each other's childhood, background, experiences, wives and children, hopes and ambitions. Seagal goes on to report a study of over 2,000 who had suffered trauma, including physical abuse, rape or death of a loved one. Survivors were healthier if they managed to confide in someone about their event. Those who hadn't discussed their experiences developed more illnesses of various sorts, from headaches to lung disease and so forth. What this tells us is that it's better to go through life with friends. And the great blessing that we have as Christian family of faith is that when we become believers, we are engrafted into a larger body of a family, a larger body of a family of faith. And that we get to have extensions to our own uh, physical families that we've had here on earth or the ones that we were born into and we get to be born into a new family of believers who love God with all our heart and we get to go through life struggles together we find that in the word of God too one of my favorite passages of scripture is found in Acts chapter 16 starting with verse 16 it's about Paul and Silas they were sharing Jesus they were working together as partners in this adventure of missions and they were going to change the world for the cause of Christ and get the gospel message to everyone else well, one day they encountered someone, and we're going to read about it now. Because of their encounter, they were thrown in prison. Now, instead of being in prison alone and trying to get through that by themselves, they were in prison together. And I'll guarantee you, being in prison together encouraged them to do the wonderful thing they did in this message, in this passage of Scripture, where they actually began to sing and have this time of fellowship together, even in the midst of a great crisis, which helped them be able to cope with it and also give praise to God. Let's read this together, and then we'll talk about it, and then we'll pray for our church tonight and also tell you an encouraging story that happened today that I think you would just want to hear to just encourage your hearts. Once as we were on the way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune-telling. As she followed Paul as and us, she cried out, These men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are the servants of the Most High God. She did this for many days. Paul was greatly annoyed. Turning to the spirit, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out right away. When her owners realized that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them to the marketplace to the authorities. Bringing them before the chief magistrates, they said, These men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews, and they are promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or practice. The crowd joined them 
in the attack against them. And the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. And that they had been severely flogged, they put them in jail, warding the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them into an inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. So here's the situation. Paul and Silas is proclaiming Jesus. Even the demonic demon in the girl was proclaiming to the world around him, these are the right guys. These are guys proclaiming about Jesus. Now, the, the demonic that was in the girl helped the girl have powers to see the future and be able to do fortune telling, which made her owners, which is interesting, she's, she's owned by somebody, a lot of money. But when Paul sets her free and says, spirit be gone, they get angry because their profit is gone from the girl. So what they do, they take Paul and Silas and they don't care about their message of freedom, hope, and Christ. They flog them and beat them. I don't know if you've been flogged and beat, but that's not a great place to be, to be beat up and flogged by somebody. And then put in a, a jail, not just put in the jail, they get put in jail and get shackled to the walls of the jail. Now what would you do in that situation? Well, good for them. They had a, a relationship with God, but they also had each other. Watch what happens in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They're having a little service there, just them as friends together. They're having a service before God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a, such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the jail was shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailers woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself, since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, Don't harm yourself, because we're all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You know, and it's interesting. Their testimony of singing and being friends together, I think he was listening. He heard the story. He heard the good news through song and through praise and through prayer. He knew that they were praying to a God of heaven. And he equated their prayers and psalms equated to this earthquake. And that God must be a God that's beyond all other gods. He must be the living gods. And he wanted to be saved. They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. You and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away, he and his family were baptized. He brought them into the house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. That's pretty incredible. Now, what I don't want you to miss in this passage of Scripture, not only just the power of God bringing salvation for faithful servants, but they had each other. God usually sent out, when he sent out his servants to go out and share testimonies about him, he always sent them out two by two. He knew that it's better to be with someone to go through difficult situations and proclaim truth to people for multiple reasons, but one, because of friendship and that, and that bond of fellowship that you have with one another so that you, if you're facing adversity, you can still be there together. And so what I want you to be encouraged tonight is this. I want to pray for you as a church, that you know that your pastor is praying for you and that people here in the church is praying for one another. So wherever you're at tonight, whatever situation you're going through, this is a prayer for you. Let's pray for a moment. I want to tell you a good story about what God's been doing. Heavenly Father, I want to pray tonight for my church family. I pray for each one of those, wherever they're at, that they can feel your presence and feel your peace. Let them know that I'm there for their pastor praying over them on a, a daily basis when you bring them to remembrance. And Father, many other people are praying for one another here. Father, let them be encouraged in their spirit and know that you are working among your people and that they're not alone. You're there and they have friends to be able to turn to in times of need. 
Father, I thank you for your goodness and your grace. And dear Lord, we just ask you to continue to be with Linda McKenzie and bring her healing. And for Mary Jones, the suffering loss of her daughter and then also a loss of a younger sister and just back to back. And also for Linda Hickey, as I know that she has suffered loss the last few months with many of her family members passing away. So Father, be with those great and wonderful folks that we love dearly and encourage their heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me tell you a quick God story. I told you one Sunday, and if you were curious about that, you can call the office. We can tell you what that is. still want to keep that within in-house so we can pray for that miracle to take place. Let me tell you a God story about just what happened just today. God is working. He's alive. We've been looking at trying to get a shower uh, built upstairs on our fourth floor of our facility so that when Family Promise stays in our facility in the upcoming months, we have a place for them to shower. We sometimes borrow a shower trailer from our sister church from uh, Beach Grove Baptist, but in the wintertime, we can't use it because we're afraid it's going to freeze over and damage the trailer. So we want to make sure that we have a place that people can have a shower and, and get cleaned up and be ready to face the world the next day. And so we've had one of our special members, Michael Shaw, he's uh, one of our youth and he's a fine young man, and he is actually uh, uh, working on an Eagle Scout project to be able to, to help us build the bathroom. Now we've been looking at this situation, talking to plumbers and other things, and we've run into some, you know, roadblocks along the way. And Michael was getting a little discouraged. We feel like it all wasn't coming together like we needed it to. But we just said, hey, let's just start praying that God will provide a way for us. And so about uh, two weeks ago, I was at Food City, and I ran into a guy at Food City. He was getting out of his truck, and it said, actually, bath fitters. And I thought, oh, this would be a good person to talk to. Maybe he'll solve some of those issues we're having upstairs trying to get this shower put in place. As I got out of the car, I noticed he was play, playing a song in his truck, and that song was a Christian song that I knew well. And I rejoiced that he was a believer. So I waited for him to get out of his truck, and I looked at him and said, hey, uh, I hear that you're a Christian. I love the song that you're playing, uh, playing in your truck. I said, I have something at church I might need your expertise about. He goes on to tell me, he goes, I'd love to maybe help you out. Right now, this week, I'm just fasting and praying. It's kind of my week off just to get my heart reset for the upcoming rest of the summer and into the fall. And So I'm off this week, but I'll be glad to talk to you in a few days about the situation. And so we've been praying. It's been a kind of a difficult situation about how to be able to configure some stuff up there. And, and so I waited until he got done with um, his you know, pr uh, prayer and fasting week, and then I called him up uh, yesterday and said, Hey, could you meet me here on campus today and meet with a young man who's doing an Eagle Scout, uh, Scout project for Family Promise and just be able to work through that together? And uh, man, this man was a great man of faith. He came in and talked to us. And, and just to tell you a little short of it, he's going to help us be able to complete that project and actually donate a lot of that uh, supplies and stuff his company is. And they're going to bless us with a lot of materials that we've had to try to figure out to buy or get gifted. And they're going to help us do it. What's amazing about it, it solved a lot of those issues that we're really trying to figure out. That God had his right time in the right place. And we talked about it. He said, I wasn't supposed to be at Food City that day. And some reason I had to go and get some lemons. And I was like, well, I wasn't going to go buy Food City, but I had to go get some supplies real quick for dinner that night. And I thought, where should I go? How God brought us together and took care of a situation that showed us that God can work out all things. Sometimes you just got to wait on his timing. Prayer is powerful, folks. And through prayer, God can accomplish much. If we just depend upon him and let him do his mighty work and so be encouraged tonight uh, I'm just going to again too you know if you ever see bath fitters in the future you know just tell them thank you for how they can help us out with what we're trying to do so in the next few months we'll be able to get that project done and they're going to help us do it uh, so you know God's good and I'm so thankful for what God is doing he works out those little detail things and so again 
Just praise the Lord that he's alive. He's loving you and taking care of you tonight. God bless you all. Uh, go in peace tonight and hope to see some of you soon. Take care. Bye.